Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, the offseason. We're about the midway point, I, I guess, of the offseason. I'm kind of losing track, but checking in with us every Monday as he does in this episode as well from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, ho- holiday week coming here. You know, it's uh, it, it feels actually some people on the ice, you know, in, in, in Voorhees, some organized hockey activity. Uh, so long already since the Flyers played their last game. And then um, and then you kind of hit the dog days of the offseason. It's just been a whirlwind of activity, though, lately. Yeah. I mean, you and I were texting the other day, you know, July 1st in the NHL was this holiday of opulence and shopping and big names and some, you know, hockey trades, whether it be P.K. Subban and Shea Weber or, you know, those. But it seems a little different right now. And maybe this is still the byproduct of a flat cap world or a very slowly rising cap now. But I think another big part of it, Bill, is the known commodity versus the unknown commodity. What do you think about kind of what took place in free agency? Uh, For sure. Uh, I mean, it's uh, every year you all every year. Typically, you would have the the frenzy of signings, the big names. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it take a couple of days for the big names to go off the board, just because they had multiple suitors. It was, uh, you know, complicated contracts to work out, multi-year kind of things. This year, this year there, there was a lot of players that that were not qualified, uh, not getting qualified offer, qualifying offers rather, who they might have otherwise in a different economic climate. And and a lot of players, even guys, you know, look at Bertuzzi signing. Um, you know, one year, five point five, because that's about that's about all the market will bear right now, and that's uh, it, it was kind of kind of anticlimactic, and that I think it's I think part of it is the the known versus the unknown, but part of it too is just there's just not enough liquidity in the system. I, I got a I got a text from uh, uh, longtime contact, uh, formerly worked in NHL front office, and he said we live in a day now where where cap space and picks are worth more than actual good NHL players. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that, that, that's the most precious commodity right now is cap space, you know, and, and, and picks. And the, the funny part is, or not so funny part is that a lot of times that cap space is used for guys. You're going to be buying out in two years anyway, because they're not, they're not worth what you're paying them, you know, yeah. in, in, in the environment. So it's, uh, it's kind of in a vicious cycle right now. Now, hopefully, Hopefully the cap is finally expected to start expanding by more significant amount come next next off season and then beyond that because you know right now that the cap the cap has risen so little it's been so flat that uh, you really have to be you really have to be very careful about every single dollar you spend and and good players are untradeable because of their term remaining term or they're they're hard or find a hard time getting signed and I think that's why we're at where we're at where. July 1st comes and it's almost an afterthought. Yeah. The other part of it too, Bill, is this is, is, you know, it's such a young man's game right now because the yeah. the thing about young players is you pay them for what they are now, not what they were once were. And B uh, they're, they're oftentimes cheaper. I mean, is, is the day of the, the marquee free agent, you know, multiple of them in an off season over. I mean, if, if Austin Matthews were to go to market, he obviously would get monster dough. But, I mean, for the most part, 
if you have one of those players, mm-hmm. you keep them and you sign them to that monster contract. But it's really squeezing a lot of guys who look forward so much to that life-changing money to set themselves up for life at UFA status, and it's just not there right now. I mean, I feel bad for them that, that, that sometimes it's timing, but that's just the way it is right now. For sure, and and uh, teams end up with really big decisions to make when it comes to do we sign the guy to a bridge contract or do we sign the long-term extension now or he's kind of overpaid, but but the, the idea is that he's ultimately underpaid if he, if he keeps progressing the way that you – expect him to and then you know uh, we'll take joe farabee for example um farabee signed that big extension um you know came to the nhl pretty much directly one year in college so at 19 he's in the nhl um and he had you know had the first 20 goal season you know he had the he had the injury issues but uh so far you know joel has not yet lived up to the contract he signed but i mean as long as he's healthy and whatnot he he has a, a very good opportunity to do that you, know, you you just never want to. I you, know, you you can end up you can end up looking back a couple of years. Oh, maybe we jumped in a little too soon. Then you go to the other end of it too, where you're walking a really good player right to unrestricted free agency or just about be a year away, and then all the you know then all the dynamics shift. So uh, there's a lot of tough decisions that are involved, and there's really an, there's really a piece of timing and good fortune with it too. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I don't know how, how you can separate the two, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Um, development camp started yesterday in earnest, as you alluded to right off the hop, that, you know, there was organized team activities, OTAs in the NHL. Um, but players were on the ice. The, the uh, development camp rosters are out. And let's clarify one thing right away, because Cutter Gauthier wasn't there. Um, he's not at this camp. He did participate in last year's as he was able to, have everything paid for, travel, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but beyond that, he's not there. Danny Breer said, you know, he's played a lot of hockey. But as far as you know, uh, he, he'd have to pay his own freight. He'd have to pay his own airline tickets. He'd have to pay his own hotel, his own food. There's no per diem, none of that stuff. And I'm not sure if he's enrolled in summer classes, but you can't go if you're enrolled in summer classes. Yeah, if, if you're enrolled in if you're enrolled in any summer classes, then you you, you can attend. That's, uh, the, you know, even if you've never attended one before or so the, the NCAA rules, you know, bless the NCAA are, are both arcane and archaic because the, a lot of it doesn't make any logical sense. Um, things like if you go attend a development camp, uh, you, you can't keep any swag you're given. So you're given, you're given a, like a, like a ball cap. Well, technically you shouldn't technically you're not allowed to keep it. Now is the NCAA going to come after you? No. But, but technically, you're not supposed to keep it. Um, you know, I I don't think a ball cap is an incentive, but you know, it, it's the, it's their stupid rules. Um, so, so as complicated as the rules are, let's boil it down to the basics. And and I don't believe this has changed. I uh, I've never seen anything that said that the rules have changed. So, the first time a player attends the development camp, um, they can pay for your one-way transportation to the camp. They can pay for your first 48 hours of hotel, first 48 hours of food, first 48 hours of whatever camp-related expenses you have. The rest of the the rest of that camp um, and and return trip home are, are on the player or his family to cover. Um, and then if you want to come back a second year, the NCAA has a besides 48 hours one. It's a one-time thing. So if you want to go back again, everything is on the the player to pay 
transportation, the food, the hotel, etc. Um, now, is that the reason why Cutter's not there? Uh, plus the fact that he has the uh, USA Hockey um, World Junior Showcase in a couple of weeks. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you got to think also from this point of view, he's a top prospect. Is a development camp really going to alter his future one way or another? It's not. It's not going to affect his ability to get a to get a uh, an entry level contract after next year of college. If you're a mid level guy, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna, you know what we'll we'll just we'll just or a player get some help from his family or whatever. They'll foot the bill for this because you want to you want to put your you know you want to be seen, you want to be noticed as much as you possibly can. You you want that entry level. So uh, a guy in the next stage down benefits a little bit more from a second development camp than a guy who's been through it before. So without knowing any specific reasons as to whether Cutter had any kind of a lingering injury or it's the development camp, I don't think it's any issues with the Flyers. He certainly sounded happy and excited at the, the world, you know, the world championships the, for a future with the Flyers and, and um, there, nothing, ha- nothing happened. I know that would, you know, would alter that. I, I think it's as simple as that. I think it's just as simple as there's not really a benefit to him to, to be, to be in a camp that's uh, well, has an, has an off day on the 4th of July. So you're basically, you're basically talking about a five day camp. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think there was necessarily a benefit in there. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's any big deal long-term. I, I do think that, uh, you know, when Danny said, well, he doesn't know the reason I think that, that uh, I mean, you know, the, the fan base and understandably so, but I mean, it's kind of a nervous fan base a lot of the time. Right. So I think, I think that's really, that's really what it is. Um, and I, ultimately, I don't think it's really much of a big deal here, um, you know, unless unless there's some aspect to it that I don't know about. Um, okay. And you know, the, uh, I mean, the hockey the hockey world is is filled with with arcane rules. Um, you know, we have uh, Emil Andre, and the with the NHL having signed a new transfer agreement with the Swedish Federation a year ago. Um, it has never worked this way until until 2022, but. If a kid's a first-round pick, then the NHL team has total control over over his rights. So they could send him to the American League if they want to. They could loan him back to the Swedish team. It, it's totally totally up to the NHL club. Um, but if you're not a first-round pick, and Andre was a second-round pick, so it applies to him, if you make the NHL, then that's it. The, you're, you're in the NHL. If the, your NHL team wants to send you back, they want to send you to the American League, then – the rights to decide where you go till you're 24 years old revert to your Swedish team. So the Swedish team could either say, no, we want you back in the SHL and the player would have to go back and play in Sweden, or they could give permission say, okay, it's all right by us play, play in the American league. We know you're close to the NHL, you know, or the other option would be to buy the player out of his contract entirely. So that that's kind of where Andre is. He's kind of on this. Well, if he makes the NHL, then he's, then he's with the flyers. If they want to send him to the phantoms, then they had to. Then they had to kind of negotiate with the Swedish team to approve of him playing in the American League. It, yeah. it made it made it made a pretty straightforward system a lot more complicated. So yeah, they really did. And I mean, he came over last year at the end of the season and played some with the Phantoms too. I wonder yeah. what kind of effect that has. I mean, it's it's all way too complicated. He is at development camp. Um, Bill, they did make a couple of signings. We're gonna get some ask Billy questions in just a second, but they did make a couple of signings. Uh, by a free agency and, and kind of what John Tortorella teed up. And basically it was, as he termed it during the season, 
guys to backfill, guys yeah. to round out the bottom six, guys to kill penalties. They end up signing Ryan Poling to a one-year, $1.4 million contract, and they signed Garnet Hathaway to a two-year, $4.75 million contract uh, on Saturday as well. Those are the two, for lack of a better term, marquee signings. What do you think of, uh, of each of these? Let's start with Poling. Where are you at on Poling? Uh, Pulling was a, a first round pick in, in 2017. Um, he so he's the, he's the same age as Tippett and Frost and Kate Noah Cates. They're all 24 ish. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're all, all born in, in 1999. So they're all 24. Um, Pulling has not become the offensive player that it was hoped he would be. He's, he's good without the puck and he can skate and he's got some size too. So, I, 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 he's a bona fide NHL player. Is he is he fourth line center? Probably that's what he is right now. Um, With the loss of Patrick he, Brown. Yeah, exactly. And Patrick Brown's not here anymore. Um, there's the the only phantom you could say might be on the cusp of coming up, but maybe the four C would be uh, Denya. But they like him to score. You know, uh, in a fourth line role. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know if it, it, it's ultimately where you want him. I, I think maybe third line role is ultimately where I think he could be. He, he has the potential to be a top nine guy. So plus he can go down without waivers again this year too. So, um, so I think, I think polling has the, the inside track as of now to start the year with the team. It's only a one year contract. So it's really, a, it's really a prove it deal. Um, and, and if NYA proves to be ready or somebody else takes the job, then that's a one-year arrangement, or, or let's say, uh, you know, let, let's say you, he does well during the season, then you decide: do we give him a qualifying offer, you know, or do we turn him loose? So it's a, it's really just a, a prove it kind of deal, but he brings he brings two particular elements: the speed and and uh, defensive awareness, which were things that they've been looking to add on, and 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 not a you know a fairly inexpensive cost. Garnet Hathaway. Uh, Hathaway comes in two-year contract. Uh, what do you think of this signing? Well, uh, I guess the only the only question is just in terms, you know, well, it's two years rather than one. But I, I think Hathaway brings you several several things. Um, the number number one thing as as they're rebuilding here, one of the things that they really want to do is have some veterans who lead by example. Uh, as, as much as as much as Hathaway is uh, a pest on the ice, and and gets under other teams' skin, and um, you know, I I found it myself a few times, like you know, like hey, f that Hathaway because he you know he he he's a very aggressive hitter. He blocks a lot of shots, and guys end up mad at him a lot of the time. You know, he's he's, he's pretty good at taking an extra poke after the whistle. Um, so, you know, but. You can use a little bit of that on your team. You like him. You like him better on your side. Plus, yeah. even even though he's been a fourth line guy, he gets you double digits, double digit goals every year. Thirteen of them last year. Thirteen the year before. He can play a little bit. He, he he's one of the better fourth line guys around the NHL. He can kill penalties for you. Another another guy's a pretty good skater. Um, he, uh, he he's another guy who's like I said he's really good in the room. Uh, a guy who's been a, a King Clancy nominee for all he does in the community. Basically, all the things, all the elements of, of what they want to impress upon young players being a flyer is about. He represents a lot of those things. The only thing he's not going to get you is 20 goals. So 
I, I don't think he's blocking anybody because I don't see anybody right on the right on the cusp of taking <laughs> taking that role on the team. Yeah. So you know, uh, for two years, he's in his early 30s. You know, that, that's that, that's not a bad thing. And especially you end up at a point where you, you might end up having to move a Scott Lawton. Then then Hathaway brings some of the some of the things that Scotty brings to some of those intangibles. Let's get to yeah. some uh, hashtag Ask Billy questions. We're going to combine two here. Uh, Isaiah from OMB Puck. Great Isaiah says, do the UFA signings of Poling and Hathaway mean that Allison and Lazinski face long odds of making the team next season? And uh, Brendan Gillespie says, with Hathaway signing, does that pretty much secure Tyson Forster starting with the Phantoms? He said, I was thinking he has a great camp there, has a chance of him making the team, but likely starts in the NHL. I guess this kind of cements his chances. I don't know that this cements the chances of Tyson Forster starting with the the Phantoms. I think that he's a guy that if he comes in and has a good camp, it is certainly going to be something he's going to have to earn. But if he does, I think that he'll be on the big roster, especially after the way he played last year under John Tortorella. And does this mean, Bill, that Lazinski and Wade Allison may not be long for the Flyers? Well, yeah, let's start with Forrester first. I, I think Forrester actually, if he has a decent camp, makes makes the big roster. Um, the coach likes him a lot, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I, I think I think the plan right now is, I don't you know, playing him maybe even maybe even hides the top six. It's certainly it's certainly the top nine. And power. So. And 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 a power play guy, for sure. So I I think I uh, yeah if he has a poor camp, then then that changes that changes things. And he could always come back up in season the way that York did, or or whatever the case might be. But but right now I think he has a job to lose. So that's uh and and two guys we were just talking about polling and Hathaway's fourth line guys, so that I don't think they're really competition for Forrester. Um, for Allison. And, and and also Lazinski, both guys just have to clear waivers now, so that's uh that that's an element to consider. Uh, I I still think Allison makes the big team. He's had all the injury issues, but he, he looks like an NHL player. And I you know, whether he's whether he has to work to stay in the lineup, certainly show he can stay healthy. Uh, I'd say the I'd say the opening night roster was made right now. I think Wade is on the opening night roster. Um, again, has to stay healthy and all those things. I'm a guy who who I've always really liked Lazinski. I think he's an NHL player, but Tanner has had talk about talk about weight having injuries. You know, Tanner's had probably even more serious injuries. He said yeah. he said surgery on both hips. Um, missed a, missed about another month, six weeks, eight weeks, or whatever it was last season, and he never really kind of got got going, and he's never. He's never had that extended chance to run with a job in the NHL. And he also doesn't have, also hasn't really found his identity yet. Is he a a top nine guy? Is he a winger? Is he a center? Uh, A a big part of, I think, one of the things the Flyers are trying to identify and one of the reasons why they've really tried to beef up the development program is a big thing. A big thing with players is finding out who they are as an NHL player because they all played their roles, whether it was collegiate hockey or junior hockey or, or the national the national team, um, the NHL might be different. Your role might be something different, and I, I don't think, I don't think Tanner knows what he is yet. Um, and so, uh, as such, and he's not going to, he's not going to get much rope from from Torts. Um, Torts was pretty critical of him. I, I think sometimes a little excessively critical because because of the injury issues and 
I thought he had actually had a decent camp last year. And then even two points in opening night, it just kind of didn't go from there. Um, That's a big but, thing, though. I talked to Alan McCauley about that, Bill. Is, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that in his last two years in junior had 90 goals in 105 games. Yeah. Getting to the NHL, you got to figure out what you are as an NHL player. And then the other part of that process is being okay with what you are and then being it. And if you're not going to be a power play guy and you've been used to playing power play every level prior, you got to find a way to accept that and, and to make a career of it. And I think you're right about Lazinski that he's a guy that has got to figure out what he is and he's got to do it fast. He, he's running out yeah. of time here. Um, yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, so if the opening day roster is, is now, I think, I think Tanner goes in waivers and uh, if he clears, he starts with the phantoms, but that, that's what camp is for. Things, things can certainly change during camp, but but Tanner has some work to do. And as you said, he doesn't. He has. He has to do it quickly because uh, you know he's 26 now, or about to be 26, and um, the the window as a prospect can be short. And you know it, it can be kind of cruel sometimes too, because a lot of it's been injury related. But that's that's often the way it goes. So Tanner Tanner might be the guy who ends up on the outside looking in, but he has the ability to change that too when we get to September. Uh, Mitchell tweets in hashtag Ask Billy and says with the logjam at goalie with Hart Sandstrom, uh, Cal Peterson, Sam Harrison, what do you expect to happen there? Now the Flyers did draft two goaltenders in the second and third round and successive picks in the draft this past weekend. Those guys um, don't figure into the equation for quite some time. You know, there's a lot. I see a lot of it on Twitter. Oh, they drafted two goalies. They're going to trade Hart. Well, th- that is a, a long, long view. <laughs> Most goalies don't get to the NHL until 24, 25, 26. So yeah. they're six, eight years away from that. So that's not part of the equation. That's stockpiling and some players that they like. But the logjam at goalie with Hart Sandstrom, uh, Cal Peterson, and Arison. I, I mean, do you expect this to start out with, with Hart and Cal Peterson, who Danny, when they acquired him, said he was gonna he's going to get a shot here? And Sandstrom's a guy that also has to clear waivers. Is it him and his fellow countryman, Erickson, starting with the the Phantoms? I think they would like. I think they would like Erickson to start with the Flyers. I do. Um, now they can only bury a portion of Peterson's salary in the American League, about uh, one point one million of it. So you're going to be in the hook for most of it. Um, there'll be a competition in camp, um, barring, you know. Barring any kind of injury issues or whatever, I think Carter Hart's still your number one goalie. Your undisputed number one goalie, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, Peterson is kind of on the bubble right now. He's coming off an awful year, an awful year. Awful. Um, so he, if he's going to earn, he's got to really earn it. Um, Felix is—he's uh, a talented kid. It just the success hasn't been there, um, and he's—he's he's a year away from being unrestricted. Um, you know, sometimes these, these things have a way of working themselves out. I mean, it, it's rare that you go through an entire camp and there's not a single goalie injury or defense injury, for that matter. And Hart didn't play a single game in preseason last year. That, that, that's correct. Yeah, he he, did, he didn't play till opening night. So those those things very often happen, and, and, and you work through them. Um, but I, you know, with, with Felix, I wouldn't be shocked if Felix has moved on. At some point, or you know, uh, plays out the last year of his contract in Europe. If they don't see it, if they don't see if he's not the number th- at least the number three in the depth chart, then I then I don't see the need to prolong it, honestly. Yeah. 
Um, they they like they like Urson quite a bit. So to me, to me right now it's between Peterson and Urson and Camp. Um, if Urson goes down, he'll be the phantom starter again. He was a workhorse last year, and if, if Peterson goes down, and then you could see, you know, assuming all four guys are still there, you could see a, a split time arrangement between Sancho and Peterson. But I, I you know, one one thing we've certainly learned in the NHL is that you really need three goalies. You really need a third goalie with some NHL experience because if, if either guy goes up or, or goes you know goes down in the NHL rather then you, you can end up with one guy in a situation and a totally unproven guy as the backup who's going to have to play sometimes. Yeah. Because you have those, those back-to-back three and three and four kind of situations. I think the Flyers have a, a dozen back-to-backs this, this season and mm-hmm. uh, uh, several three and fours and a couple four and sixes. So if you have the injuries at the wrong time, you're, you're going to have to play your backup at some point. Yeah, um, if you're rostered on the NHL roster, you got to play that goalie. It's just exactly. It. Exactly. There, and there's going to come, there's going to come a point when the guy's going to have to play. Um, Peterson, Peterson's contract is, I mean, it's good for him financially. It's also kind of a curse because, you know, if he, if he doesn't perform to the standards that you need, you're going to bury that contract in the American league is the way LA did last season. And so he has to, he, I think you'd have to outplay, um, you have to outplay Orson by a significant margin. You, you know, uh, Sam would have to have a, Pretty tough camp. I, I I would if I had to handicap it right now, I'd say that Urson is the two. Uh, Peterson and and Sandstrom share time in the American League again, unless unless things change or unless unless Felix has moved on somewhere. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Cal Peterson, I think just he needs to rebuild his game because there's a lot of confidence issues there. He couldn't stop a beach ball in the NHL or the AHL last year, and he's a guy that was well thought of prior to that. So he needs he needs some rebuilding I, I just want to bring up this uh dm that i got from uh, at city kid 18 he said hi jason this he sent this to me on friday he said carson uh bjarnson is the 18 year old kid the, the guy the flyers drafted uh in the second round and he said it's he's an 18 year old kid birthday today so happy birthday carson it was last friday from carberry manitoba he said he lives a couple houses down from me he's a great kid very humble and accommodating to anyone who stops by to talk to him great with kids matter of fact he invited a kid to the draft that he had babysat as a young teenager during the summer months. Fantastic character for the team. And from the small world file, grew up four houses away from Travis Sanheim's fiance, Alex. So wanted to get that little n- nugget in there. I uh, got some uh, some people out there looking out, giving us good nuggets as well, Billy. So uh, yeah, good stuff. yeah, happy birthday to Carson. All right, let, let's get to uh, our next Ask Billy question. And this one comes from Andy Walewski. I probably messed it up, Andy. I'm sorry. He said, I know Michkov has has three years left on his KHL contract, but do contracts in that league work similar to contracts in North America where he can just up and leave and that KHL team would just retain his league rights? Well, the short answer to that is no. (laughs) The NHL has an agreement that if a player is under contract there, they have to be out of contract. So they either have to have no term remaining or they have to be bought out of that contract. Somebody else had tweeted in and said, any truth to the rumor that uh, Michkov wants to be in Flyers camp in 2024? I don't know about it. He posted it. It was from some Facebook group. I have not heard that from anybody credible. I think that's way premature to even have the conversation. But um, I I think it's fine for Michkov to be there two or three years. You're not paying him NHL ELC money yet either. (laughs) 
No, all, yeah, all, all that's true. Um, we could do an entire show about <laughs> the Russian hockey and bringing players over in the whole situation. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to distill it down to a quick answer, but the quick answer here is no. It's not. You, you cannot easily. Now they used to have they used to have a law in Russia. It it was um, it, it was not created for hockey. It was it pertained to any employee that they could in writing tell their employer they were breaking their contract because. Basically, one of the things that under the Soviet system, um, one of the things that predated that in, in the old czarist years was that people were essentially slaves in factories and they couldn't leave. And so uh, they create a law that said, if you put it in writing to your boss, I am, I'm quitting, I'm leaving. They had to honor that. They, you, could, you could leave. Um, and so... That that lingered. That lingered after the fall of communism, and that that was used. That was used by some players to break their contracts and come over. When um, when the KHL was created, which is largely created by Putin and, and allies of Putin, they closed that loophole. Um, and in the early years of the KHL, they had an open war with the NHL. They were poaching each other's players. Uh, they were trying to sign guys away who had valid NHL contracts, and the KHL teams, the transfer agreement with the NHL, um, the, was not re-signed by the Russian Federation. So what they created was what they call memorandum of understanding. That means that if a guy has a valid contract, and the KHL and NHL team can't touch him, and if a guy has a valid NHL contract, the KHL team wouldn't touch that. Um, and that that seemed to work for a number of years and then came the invasion of Ukraine and the NHL because the KHL is really the Russian government it's Putin's league um, so the NHL pulled out the NHL broke the memorandum of understanding and doesn't have a relationship currently with the KHL so technically <laughs> technically you know there's nothing that would stop an NHL team from trying to bring the player over if you can um but these the easiest rules the player puts in his contracted time, and then he then he can go if he's not if he doesn't resign with the Russian team too. Um, so the the short answer with that, and it's already a long answer, but I'm I'm sorry, it's hard to give a short answer, is that you're probably going to be waiting three years on them, and in, in particular the case of players with SKA St. Petersburg. Uh, I'm not going to go into all this, the details, but. Go go Google Rottenberg family and Putin, R O T E N B E R G. Um, they're a very powerful oligarch family. Uh, Roman Rottenberg, who's a is a sports executive, but he's also tied in with the Russian government. He appointed himself head coach and himself and himself the general manager uh, of Sky. And he's already said we're holding we're holding Matvey to his contract. He can leave in three years. And it's not the end of the world. You're, if you're waiting two years in a junior player, you can wait three years on him. So yeah. is, is it theoretically possible that, that Michkov could be over sooner? It is, but it will be very, very hard to do. So, Well, think of it this way. You know, you think of that, you know, that timeline. Think about Tyson Forster, for example. Now, Tyson Forster was drafted in 2020, three years ago. Right? He's played a grand total of eight games. Now, Michkov's different. He's a higher pedigree prospect and all of that. But that being said, generally players don't get to the league for two, three years. Very few in their draft year. 
step right onto the ice like Sean Couturier did or like Bedard will or McDavid and, and those really high-end players. So that is that is a rarity uh, indeed. Let's get to our next Ask Billy question. This comes from Nick Hankins. He says, who do you project the opening day D-lines to look like? And he also says in a subsequent tweet, is all the trans, uh, all the subtractions, assuming Tony D'Angelo does happen, I guess that's on the ninth, or will there be more? So let's, let's, I, I think that we're in agreement that D'Angelo will likely be traded once that calendar year period is up. What do the D lines look like? You know, Sanheim is still here. You have um, no Ivan Provorov, he's moved on. Do they need a top pairing right side guy? And maybe is that free agency at like a Matt Dumba or something for a two-year contract to play with Cam York? What 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 do you think the opening night deep pairings are going to look like here, Billy? No, I, I still think we'll see how the market how the market goes here. But I think Dumba still right now is too much term and too much cap. Yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, right now, and 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 candidly. The blue line worries me. It worries me in the short term and it worries me in the long term. Agreed. Um, right now, I, I think that uh, you maybe move Travis Sanheim up to the to the top pairing, and he could play the right side. The thing, the thing with uh, the thing with Travis is he can play either side. He's comfortable playing either side, so that's that's a good thing. Do you leave um, him on the left side and put York back on the right side, though? Uh, well, you, you you could do that too because York played a lot of right side the last two seasons. I'd like to see him on his natural side though. And and Travis is Travis is pretty comfortable playing the right side if he has to. Or or they could do or they could keep Sandheim uh you know, with Ristolainen. Uh now Sean Walker should not be in a top pair at this point in the no. NHL. So I don't I don't know you that he's the Sandheim. guy you you need Sam yeah. to have a bounce back year too. I think you gotta put him in an advantageous position and right now it's not advantageous though. No, I well that, that I don't yeah I I don't I don't know where the where the right role for him is. Um, it, it's a it's a big hole they've created, you know. And and I understand me so. Provorov kind of had to go. I think Ivan was unhappy here. Um, they they got a first round pick out of it, and um, you know, and I just, just but filling those minutes. And I there's there's nobody I think that's on the on the cusp already in the system. I we go this is this guy's this guy's probably a first pairing guy. So uh, on your third pair right now, um, you know, Walker could be there. You still have Sealer. Um, they'd, they'd like to they'd like to see uh, either Ronnie Adderd or uh, Zamula, um, maybe Emil Andre, maybe maybe even Nah. I, I think it's, I think it's one of those guys. I, yeah. I think one I mean, of those if, guys would be it. Yeah. So. If you bring up a guy like Zamula and he plays on the second pair. And then you could put Sanheim on the top pair. But again, it, it is a concern. And being able to defend is, is going to be a big, big, big issue for sure um, in, in this division and in today's NHL. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. You lose Provorov. And I think he's going to have a really resurgence there in, yeah. in Columbus. And we'll see if he can accept his role. I think that's going to be part of it because you have a guy in Warinsky who is going to get a lot of that you know, heavy offensive minutes and, and those kind of things. Uh, but if he accepts that, well, I think he's a guy that could, you could go, wow, he's a really good player. Now he's not here anymore, right? One of those other ones we kick ourselves about. But anyway, um, Flyer Lama actually says, how does Travis Sanheim move forward as a flyer mentally? 
He says if they can't move him or didn't move him while openly shopping him, it is a it is a delicate situation for a player. He knows he was attached to that deal. And yeah. I mean, he has the no move clause now. He holds more power. Um, but you know, how does he move forward mentally? I think he's a really kind of laid back guy, so I think he can handle it. I think he knows yeah. he needs to bounce back here because of the contract and everything else, but it is tricky. It is. Uh, thankfully, it has it has precedent that there have been players who've uh, been in been in trades that have been negated um, for one reason or another, and they've had to go back to their original team. And um, Dadnoff had that a couple of years ago, and actually finished the year. He's a forward, but it doesn't matter. It's still 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 the same psychology. You know, you go in, you're a pro, and and, and you you adapt to it. Now here here we're talking about an eight year arrangement. Um, I, I remember, you know, I, I remember when when Roger Nielsen first came in as coach, and uh, and Luke Richardson for a while was on the outs, and he went through waivers and he was benched, and um, you know, and and then Luke's best years were after that, actually. Yeah. So you know, his, his best Philadelphia years came after he went through the waivers. It, it takes a ton of mental toughness. And you have to take perspective on it, and and uh, you know really, you also have to, I think a little bit of a chip on your shoulder in a good way, like you know like well I'll show you guys right, and and uh, I mean if Travis approaches it like that, um, he's he's not a rock the boat guy, um, so I I, I think that uh, it'll really be it'll be up to him, and it, and it could be it could be a really nice story too, you know. You know, he wins. Uh, he wins another Barry Ashby has a bounce back year to um, how he did the season before last. You go, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness they didn't trade him because uh, you know he big piece of the puzzle here. And then, then you go another couple of years out, um, and he's, it becomes a partial no trade. Now that, that's four years of that. That's a long time, but so really, you know, really it's about uh, how uh, how he mentally handles it and go and how he plays. And, and but I but I don't I don't think it's irretrievable. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think he's has the you know that disposition to be able to to compartmentalize it, and that's what it's going to take. I think so. Um, let's get to uh, a couple more here. Terry Meehan says uh, the Flyers reportedly rejected trade offers for TK Hart, Lawton, and Sanheim. That's not a rebuild. They need to build this from the footers up. If not, it's picking fifteenth every year and just missing the playoffs. And we'll combine this with Kilgore, who says, did the team only say they were rebuilding so they could have a grace period while trying to make the playoffs? And I think the, these two tweets, Bill, come in light of the Ryan Poling signing and the Garnet Hathaway signing. But look, they were never going to tear it all the way down. They, they they made it clear that that's not what they're not fire sailing it and tearing it down to the studs. And they end up getting Michkov in at seven, and and that's a great get because they got high end talent uh, without having to lose and get a first, second, or third pick to do it. Um, but the rebuild is on, and I think the Michkov drafting is further example of that. That because he's a, de- a delayed asset, and you know, I, I said to somebody earlier on on Twitter, I said, don't listen to what they say. Listen to what they do. I say it all the time. I mean, how many times have we heard a vote of confidence for a coach from Bob Clark? Oh, my, that guy's safe. Next day, gone. Right? It, words mean nothing. And to me, they are rebuilding. But if you expected them to strip it to the studs, then that's on you. 
because they've made it clear that that's not the tact they're taking. Nor could yeah. they. And when they, when they made the decision, Kevin Hayes being a great example here. I mean, they made the decision they were they were going to get rid of Kevin Hayes, you know, for various reasons. But that was a, a, a piece of subtraction that that uh, that was absolutely a top priority to get done. And so they had to eat half his contract to take a sixth round pick. Um, and, you know, I, I talked about this uh, a little bit in, in, in some of my writing. You, that's right. If you look at that trade in a vacuum, in a vacuum, you go, oh, that's a terrible trade. Just because the guy who like 54 points, uh, played, played the All-Star game last year, blah, 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 right? And, and uh, you're eating half of it and you're getting a sixth round pick. But but what they also did was they also recouped a little bit of the cap space on them. Um, it certainly, it certainly is something that a rebuilding team does. You, if you, if you're not rebuilding and you don't have a, you don't have a center to step right in, take his role. That's clearly what a rebuilding team does. Provorov, you just, you just subtracted 24 minutes a night with no one to replace him. That, that's not, that's not what a, you, know, you only do that in a rebuilding situation where you're, where you're trying to rebuild a foundation. And just because you may have read this rumor or that rumor that they got they were offered first round picks, that that's not necessarily that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, one thing part part of the part of a trade process is okay. What do you need? What do you need from us to move him? I have no doubt there is interest in, in Scott Law. I think I think if the Flyers were offered first and second round picks, I've seen that rumor out there too. They talk that over internally, and as long as it's not some, as long as they're unconditional picks, you know you're getting a first rounder, you know you're getting a second rounder. I think they talk it amongst themselves. And they go, yeah, we, we have to do that. Um, there's, but there's a difference between what do you need from us and okay, we'll give you a, a, B, and C. Do we have a trade? Um, and and same same thing with with Sandheim. Interest sure or Sandheim with Konechny. Is there interest sure? Was there a, was there a firm offer that was even close to be to the value that they would think of pulling the trigger on it? No, and and nor in and in those cases too, you have to get full value. This isn't a situation where the player's value is down to the point where you you just need to, to make a move and and uh, work around it. So I, I think I think everything they've done so far points to them rebuilding. And and as you also said, Jason, in, in a rebuild. Um, you're not going to tear everything down just for the sake of it. It also depends on making deals that make sense to you. And, and lastly, the other part of it too, is that you're still going to bring in some veterans. And, and I said like with Hathaway in particular, that's the guy who a rebuilding team would want to bring in because he brings a lot of intent and tangibles that you want to instill in the team. Without forward. blocking skilled Without players, blocking the difference players. makers. Yeah. Short term. The other thing. I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, like I look at it and I go, okay, you cannot have a team. You can't build a team in a rebuild with three draft years of all young guys. First of all, you're never going to hit on that many draft picks. When you get beyond the top 15 in the NHL draft, you got about a 40% chance in the first round from 15 to 32 of that player playing 200 NHL games. About a a 40% chance of that happening. And when you have a player that's 26, like Travis Konechny, you go, okay, he'll, when we are building again, he's now 28, 29, 
competitive 30, and but you have to have players in all those different slots. ELC players, players off their ELC or restricted or just just getting to unrestricted free AG, and then your veterans. You have to check all of those boxes to build a team. And we've seen in these playoffs in the NHL, like you've got to build a team and you cannot do it with all same age players. It's not going to work. Like, so trading, you know, connect me for pick number 28 is, is not much of a, that's not a great deal. I know first round picks get blown up out of the water and they're not all created equal. A top 10 pick is so different than anything 15 and beyond. So I digress. Um, Last one. Yeah. Um, Let's get to, uh, Flyers fan 39. And I just want to end this on kind of a fun note. Uh, hashtag ask Billy. He says, am I crazy for thinking we could be a playoff team by the end of next year? He said, need Coots and Atkinson to return to form. Kate's to keep stepping up. Risto to stay solid. Other D to develop a bit and keep Hart, Urson, TK, and Lawton. He goes, but that is all doable. No. I'd say just don't get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very difficult league. And some huge question marks there. What's Ristolainen going to be like with a new partner? If Sanheim moves up to the top pair, what's Sanheim and York going to be like on the top pair? That's a huge question mark. And you got to be able to defend in this league. Then you couple that with, okay, is Tippett going to keep linear? Cates, Frost, second half. Is that going to now come into the season from the beginning? And then you look at, you know, what about players like Forster or Brink or, you know, Ronnie Adderd or any of these guys? And, I mean, there's so many question marks there. I didn't even mention John Couturier hasn't played since December of 2021. Cam Atkinson didn't play a game last year. So I have no idea what they're going to be. I know they feel great, but I feel great sometimes too, but I can't do anything, you know? So I think it's just pump the brakes on that. I think that going into the season, hoping for growth is is the right mentality to go in with, um, thinking that there's a shot they could be a playoff team as we sit here on the 3rd of July is probably not the best for your mental health. No, for, for sure. And, and, uh, tell you the Metro is a tough division too. Um, yeah, you know, you, you have to, you have to finish, um, you know, in, in that top three group to be guaranteed of a playoff spot. And the, the bar is really high now to be, be even a, a wild card team. It's tough. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes in the week, you know, week division, in the week year, that third place team in that division actually has fewer points, sometimes six fewer points than there may be a team that was just under the wild card missed by a point. It's it, it's hard. There, there's so many things that have to go right. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't predict that right now. Um, I, I'm more hoping to see the guys that took a step forward last year take another step forward. Some other young players emerge and 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 a, a plan for and it's one thing that, that Keith Jones has said as big part of the long term plan. I couldn't say this more wholeheartedly. I agree. Is building that blue line up because you're you're going to need a new 24, 25 minute guy at top, and um, they don't come around very often. You're going to have to find one of those, and you're going to have to find your your true shutdown guy. I think they're fine. They're they're fine. In the bottom four of the fence. I think in in the right mix, those guys could all work, um, and may, maybe York in a top three group, but. But you need you really need that that one and that two, and I, I don't see them there. So those are those are all big obstacles, and those are all things they have to work on. Yeah, you can't just force a guy go. Okay, you're going to be our 25 minute a night guy. Boom, there you go. Doesn't work that way. Those guys are rare breeds. They're unicorns. They're Drew Dowdies and 
Petrangelo and those guys that can handle those that kind of workload and still be effective and efficient through it. It takes a ton of conditioning. It takes a high level of play and, you know, it, durability and dependability and all of those things. Bill, this was great. Great stuff. Great questions from everybody with hashtag Ask Billy. We appreciate them. We got to as many as we could. Uh, we're going close to an hour here on this Monday edition. So everybody, uh, we'll be at development camp uh, coming up today and throughout the week. We'll have some great conversations that we'll bring to you here on Flyers Daily from that. In the meantime, read Bill's work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll talk to you Wednesday on a brand new Flyers Tale. What is on